On April the 12th, 1963, Good Friday that year, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, and about 50 others marched through Birmingham, Alabama, in defiance of a court injunction prohibiting them from parading without a permit. They were arrested and taken to the city jail. That same day, Good Friday, a group of eight white clergymen, led by the Episcopal Bishop of Alabama, issued an open letter aimed at Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Although racial matters had recently been improving in Birmingham, the eight wrote, we are now confronted by a series of demonstrations by some of our Negro citizens directed and led in part by outsiders. We recognize the natural impatience of people who feel that their hopes are slow in being realized. But we are convinced that these demonstrations are unwise and untimely. Over that Easter weekend from his prison cell, Dr. King composed a reply to his white clergy brethren, which is known to us as the letter from Birmingham jail. For years now, he wrote, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the air of every Negro with a piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. And he continued, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's greatest stumbling block in the stride towards freedom is the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. Today's reading from Matthew's Gospel, the parable of the sheep and the goats, has terrified me for as long as I can remember. Christ the King, at the end of time, throned in glory, telling me how I failed him. If I fail to feed, to give drink to, or welcome, or clothe, or nurse, or visit in prison those in need, and this summer, a new element has been added to my terror of this judgment story. Because another way of reading this suggests that the failure to help relates not so much to the poor as it does to other followers of Christ, to the members of my family. So the failure is not so much an absence of charity, awful though that is, as it is a failed obligation to uphold a fellow disciple in need, however lowly they may be. A failure to support a fellow Christian, and therefore Christ, who needed help, who needed comfort, who needed the support of someone else. Help, support, and comfort I could have given. which brings me back to Martin Luther King and the white clergy of Alabama. Where do they stand in Matthew's story of judgment? 
And more to the point, where do I stand in that story if I update it to the summer of 2020? As I examine my motives and emotions as this past summer progressed, I wonder, will Christ the King direct me to the right or to the left? I fear the answer. I was happy to stand in front of a sign outside the church that said Black Lives Matter. I was happy to join the protests that first week. I was happy to contribute some money to help the aid station. But did I adequately respond as a priest, as a Christian, to the calls of the black churches for action? Did I metaphorically and literally hide behind our fence, which all too clearly says, wait. Wait until a more convenient season. What about my caution on social media, my carefulness with the press, my avoidance of the subsequent protests? Was my failure to act an abdication of responsibility to a community that is far too often in jail, far too often hungry, far too often metaphorically naked in front of power, and far, far too often a stranger to me? I don't know. But to start to answer that question, there's one other part of the gospel passage I want to come back to. Both the righteous and the unrighteous asked Christ when it was that they saw him and helped him or failed him. Obviously, on one level, that can be answered simply by saying that everyone they saw who was in need was also Jesus. But I wonder if there's a little more going on. I wonder whether it was not so much blindness to the other person's need, as blindness even to the existence of that person. Put slightly differently, it wasn't that they didn't see someone in need and not help them, more that they didn't see that person at all. Which makes it still more terrifying for me that I may, in my blindness, not even see that person who is in need right in front of me. So what am I to do? This parable makes me want to act to help those in need. I have a responsibility to formulate a plan. I must help, I must speak out, I must act. That must be what Dr. King wanted of his white clergy brothers. That must be what Black Lives Matter wants of me. And yet, is it? Perhaps not. Because that sounds suspiciously like it's all about me. What if Jesus wants something else? What if what he wants from me by way of help is for me to be with those in need rather than acting on their behalf? And for that to happen, I need to recognize those in need, to actually see them and respect them for who they are. I am not to be their agent or their liberator. I am to be their supporter. I am to offer those people my presence while it is they who act. I am to be their equal, their brother, a member of our common family. 
there really is a critical difference in being with someone and doing things for them. I think what Dr. King wanted from those white clergy and what people of color look for white Christians today is not leadership, is not direct action, and is certainly not benevolent charity. What our brothers and sisters look for is to be seen, to actually be seen and be recognized. And then for us to be with those brothers and sisters in total equality and in complete humility. So perhaps the questions I asked myself about this summer were the wrong ones. Why wasn't I doing more, saying more, and so on? That puts me at the center, makes me the hero of my own story. Instead, in humility, I need to be alongside, be with our brothers and sisters, rather than doing things for them. And that starts by understanding my role and the role of whiteness in where we are right now. That is much of what our exploration in sacred ground is about. Acquiring understanding by going deep down inside of myself. Uncovering not just things I've tried to forget, but things I never knew. Sacred ground is not about creating an action plan to end this or build that. It's about stripping away my conscious and unconscious biases. About understanding that I am imperfect, complex, and confused. And above all, it is about my truly understanding the impact on others of a society where white is the reference point where white equals normal. I think Dr. King was saying two things. First, don't judge us by your white standards, which you regard as normative, and then conclude that we are moving too fast or too radically. Second, he was saying, recognize our right to help ourselves not have others help us, or lead us, or patronize us. Be brothers and sisters in Christ to us. Give us the sustenance, the love, the support we need to move our own lives forward. Be with us, not as the hero of your own story, but as the vital supporting cast in ours. I have no doubt, no doubt, that I will be judged in my part in the sin of racism when I stand before the throne of glory. But that judgment may not take the form I first thought. It may not be about what steps I took to end racism. It may not be about the plans I did or didn't draw up. It may not be about the barricades that I did or didn't stand on. Rather, it might be about whether I had the humility as a white man 
to understand my part in creating the problem rather than about whether I had solved it. It might be about whether I recognized the desire of my brothers and sisters to have my support in fighting their own struggle rather than have me fight it myself. It might be about the desire of those brothers and sisters to be recognized as such, as siblings, to be embraced by me, not as children to be protected and guided by me. It might be about whether I recognized the deep longing of those brothers and sisters for me simply to talk with, to sit with, to break bread with all of them, as though that were the most normal thing in the world. To truly, truly be with, rather than constantly trying to be for. That, I think, is what Dr. King wanted from those fellow clergy. And that, I now believe, is what Christ the King will want from me. I wonder what you think he wants from you. Amen. <laughs>